Hi, this is Carrie Life Art and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. And every woman that I spoke with knew so little about their bodies, didn't know that there was four phases to a cycle. It's not just, you know, your menstruation and your PMS, um, but there's four phases. And during each of these phases, uh, your body really needs to be supported in different ways um, to balance hormones and, you know, utilize your feminine cycle as a way to improve your life rather than so many women who see it as a burden. Hi, this is Kari Life Art and you are listening to Body is a Temple, podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Body is a Temple podcast and I'm super excited about uh, my guest today, Nicole, who is a woman uh, thinking nutritionist and we're going to talk about thinking the women hormones and women cycles, which is very uh, close uh, topic to me because I'm a woman and also to all my friends. So I already told all my friends about this and they are also excited to listen to this episode. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My pleasure. Can you, at the beginning, uh, introduce yourself a little bit uh, to the audience? Uh, where are you? Where were you growing up? And like, what took you to this journey of um, becoming a, a researcher and a practitioner of women uh, cycle thinking? Sure. Um, so my name is Nicole Bendayan. I am a certified nutritionist and a cycle thinker. Um, so pretty much I help women um, balance hormones, banish PMS symptoms, increase productivity, and just overall quality of life through cycle syncing their nutrition and lifestyle to their feminine cycle. Um, so I'm originally from Toronto, Ontario in Canada, um, and uh, I'm based out of there. I've been spending a lot of time in Los Angeles. Yes. Well, so I split my time between California and um, Toronto. Um, right now I'm in California for a little bit, but going back to Toronto now um, in a couple weeks. And yeah, so I was getting into how I really started uh, cycle syncing and nutrition. Um, you know, I've always really loved nutrition. Um, I've always been a cook. Uh, and you know, it was only recently within the last few years that I realized that I could make a career out of helping people through this avenue that I love, which is food and nutrition. Um, so I started doing my uh, professional education in nutrition. And at the same time, I was learning about hormones and food and just the biological process of a body. And I was on birth control and I've been on birth control for about a decade. Um, and then, you know, when I was getting off of birth control, I really wanted to figure out, um, how my hormones affected my daily life, you know, and being on synthetic hormones on birth control, I didn't feel like I knew myself without them because I'd been on them since I was really young. Um, so that got me diving into researching about 
a women's cycle and how the hormones really affect our day-to-day life and finding out that I knew so little about my own body and every woman that I spoke with knew so little about their bodies, didn't know that there was four phases to a cycle. It's not just, you know, your menstruation and your PMS, Um, but there's four phases. And during each of these phases, uh, your body really needs to be supported in different ways um, to balance hormones and, you know, utilize your feminine cycle as a way to improve your life rather than so many women who see it as a burden. yeah, so I guess I've, I've just continued my education into nutrition as a whole and researching specifically of um, women and cycle syncing and how to tailor nutrition, lifestyle, exercise to the different phases of their cycles to really help optimize overall health. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally resonate with your story. I've been also on a birth control for a long time and I feel like I wasn't myself during this time and also when i stopped doing this i started a little bit different journey to health fitness and also learning about nutrition and also learning about different uh, stages in the women's cycles and how this influence also our exercises and uh, i'm gonna ask about the birth control a little bit later Uh, at the beginning i want you to kind of give uh, to the audience like basic uh, principles connecting with those four stages of the women's cycle. What do you think we should eat and do in each stage and how to manage this? What from your experience and knowledge is the best? So um, I'll kind of give a background of, you know, the different phases, what hormones are uh, really prevalent during that time and then how to support it. Um, So your woman's cycle is an average of 28 to 36 days. Um, you really want to keep it in that 28 to 32 day range. And um, it's from the first day of your bleed until the first day of your next bleed is a complete cycle. Um, so the menstrual phase lasts from the first day of your bleed until you're done menstruating. That's the one we commonly know. Um, and you really want to keep that below eight days. If it's anything higher than eight days, Um, That could be a sign of hormone imbalance. Um, And, you know, right now, over the last little while, doctors have been calling uh, the menstrual cycle like the fifth vital sign because it can really tell us a lot about our overall health. So, yeah, so menstrual phase lasts about three to five days. um, And during that time, your hormones are at the lowest point. Your body's working really hard to expel your endometrium um, and you really want to support your body, let's say through nutrition, um, increasing iron during that time. A lot of women will feel really lethargic or tired because we're actually losing about two milligrams of iron per day of our bleed. Um, So it's really, really important during that time to have enough iron and also to factor in that iron is better absorbed with vitamin C and caffeine in coffee and tea, et cetera, can actually inhibit the absorption of iron. So it's really recommended that, um, you know, we avoid caffeine, avoid alcohol, which can, um, which can dehydrate you as well. 
and just try to stay hydrated. It's a great time to reflect, to do some internal work. Um, if you're going on your career as well, and we can cycle sync our careers and professions to optimize productivity. So that's a really cool way to do it as well. Um, and for something like fitness, to do something really gentle and restorative as your body is really um, putting a lot of effort into this phase. So then after the menstrual phase, you go into your follicular phase, and that um, lasts up until about ovulation, which is around day 14 to 16. And this is when your estrogen is rising, as well as something called uh, FSH, which is a follicle-stimulating hormone, um, which helps your body to prepare and then eventually release the egg. So as your estrogen is rising, it's really important to incorporate estrogen-metabolizing foods such as um, Brussels sprouts, um, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, as well as um, other kinds of sprouts and fermented food is really helpful to metabolize estrogen um, because estrogen can have, estrogen is really, really important for your body in a good balance. But a lot of women, especially because of the exposure that we get from toxins, um, and being overweight and stuff like that, a lot of women have an excess of estrogen, which, which can be detrimental. Um, so that's also a really great time to do a little bit more cardio. You're getting more energy um, and, you know, a great time for creativity. Uh, so then you go into your ovulatory phase, which is when your body actually releases the egg. Um, and that's when your hormones are at its peak. Um, you might be feeling really energetic, glowing, lively. Um, this is a great time to do those HIIT workouts, to um, focus on creativity at work, as well as uh, because your hormones are at its peak, this time it's really important to support your liver, which is where um, estrogen is metabolized so that uh, it can reduce inflammation and you're not getting a buildup of estrogen so that in the later terms you have like an easier PMS symptom or like lowered PMS symptoms, etc. So after your ovulatory phase, you go into your luteal phase, which is the last phase of your cycle. And this is when progesterone is higher um, and estrogen kind of dips down a little bit. And this is when a lot of women feel those PMS symptoms. And just so everybody knows, PMS symptoms are super, super common, but that does not mean that they're normal. Um, and if you're having really hard PMSing symptoms, um, it's really important to support your body in different ways. Um, figure out your PMSing type, because there's, there's five different types of PMS, um, which can be supported in different ways so that you can really have an easy journey. Can you debug a couple of the stereotypes about food? Like, um, I heard that the soya can increase, uh, I think, estrogen. Um, I also heard a lot of things about eggs and chicken. Um, can you, have you came across any of the stereotypes that some food might increase or lower our hormones? Food has everything to do with every aspect of our bodies right um it can be used in a way that fuels you that uh, promotes health um but it can also be very detrimental um as you know if you're not eating the right things for your specific body if you're not figuring out um you know 
the common issues within yourself. Um, so let's go to the soy. Um, so that has something in it called a phytoestrogen. So this is a compound that the molecule really looks like estrogen to your body. Um, so it can act in a similar way in your body. It will be a little bit weaker because it doesn't hold on to the estrogen receptors as well. Um, but for women, let's say that have heightened estrogen levels and want to bring those levels down, they might want to avoid soy. Um, but to the same effect, um, if a woman is going through menopause or has lowered estrogen, soy is a great way to kind of boost you up a little bit more, combat osteoporosis, um, and increase health, right? So again, nutrition is very individualized. So I would say to work with a healthcare practitioner who knows what you're doing, um, knows the different aspects of your life and can talk it through with you about what you may be experiencing so that you're able to really tailor your nutrition to your specific needs. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, you were talking about uh, loss of uh, iron during the, the first phase. Can you recommend which um, natural food are rich in, fire, uh, in, in iron so we can support ourselves during this time? Sure. There's lots of foods that are rich in iron. It's important to say that um, meat products and um, animal-based iron called heme iron is a lot easier for the body to absorb. But if you have it in too high quantities, um, it can be detrimental as well. Um, so heme iron is bioavailable. So it means that your body can really absorb it easier. Um, but again, that can lead to toxicity. So anything like any red meat, especially liver, has one of the highest contents of iron. Um, so red meats especially would be great during that time, again, to consume with vitamin C and avoid caffeine. Um, but then the plant-based iron, which is super, super important for you to get, but is a little bit harder. So you should be increasing um, kind of the quantity of it. And again, with, with vitamin C. Um, and those are things, you know, like spinach, broccoli has a bunch of iron. So doing like a, a stir fry with broccoli and red peppers is really great. Um, you know, beans and legumes also can have a considerable amount as well as, um, you know, sesame seeds, tahini is really good. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, walk us through um, your actual work when you have a new client and you want to help her to sync uh, her cycle and improve the nutrition? Like how long it takes to feel a significant difference for how long you are planning, um, I don't know, nutrition plan? Like how, how does this uh, work with you look like? Sure. So um, I have a couple of different programs within my work. Um, some of them are more educational based and those are eight week programs. Um, and then I go really, really in depth in my one to ones and my one on one practices uh, that involves you know, at the beginning. Uh, once you sign up with me, we go into what I like to call symptom analysis. So I send a bunch of forms that have a whole lot of symptoms. <laughs> it takes a while to get through. Um, but all of those symptoms kind of match up. So that can give me a really good idea into what systems may be out of function 
in your body and what symptoms we would need to focus on as well as nutrient deficiencies um, so that we can, you know, talk about it and really focus on it. Then I would go into talking about, you know, your overall lifestyle, because as a holistic nutritionist, that means you're looking at every aspect of someone's life and how that all interacts um, and then using food and lifestyle to really support your life, you know? So if someone has a really high stress job, that can greatly affect uh, your physical body and that can really affect your nutrient needs. So we go over like a whole life assessment kind of thing um, and then talk about how we can integrate, um, you know, sustainable change into someone's life because everyone's different. So each of them are very, uh, very differently tailored. Um, and that's why the one-on-ones are really comprehensive. So then we go into tracking cycles and tracking symptoms as the weeks go on. And I usually do about three-month programs, um, three-month to six-month programs, because that's when you're really going to see any significant changes is in and around three months, especially with nutrition and fitness. If you're trying to have a quick fix, it's not as sustainable and it's really not as healthy. But to, you know, if, if you need to do an elimination diet, figure out your sensitivities, everything else, avoid certain things. Um, it takes in and around about 90 days to really see um, those significant changes. Um, so our programs are really designed to teach a woman how to connect to her body, um, to see the symptoms, to track her cycle. Um, there's various apps that you can track your cycle with. Um, but I use a platform called Floca that really tracks everything in one um, area. And it's great for practitioners because I can see, you know, you're tracking your cycle. We can see um, your fitness tracking, your sleep tracking. There's just so many different things that really go into it. Um, and then, you know, tailor your meal plans and your nutrients to exactly what you need. And again, to the phases of your cycle. So depending on which phase of your cycle in, I recommend different things. Um, and I really go on an add, avoid, and supplement protocol. So, you know, you want to add certain foods in uh, you want to avoid certain things as well as supplement with some things mm -hmm. uh, you said a little bit about uh, like um, gentle exercises in the first uh, part uh, first circle and then maybe high intensity when we are during and after ovulation can we uh, can you tell a little bit more about some uh, basic uh, general rules with exercise uh, connected to the to the cycle Sure. So I would say the first most important thing is you need exercise, but do not over exercise. Uh, a lot of I feel women struggle with this as well, because the common knowledge is it's calories in versus calories out. So if we're eating low calorie and exercising really intensely, then we're going to lose weight or we're going to be healthy. And that is completely false, especially for women. Um, because when we're over exercising, we're releasing a lot of cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And this over exercising can really inhibit the production of your sex hormones. Um, so hormones that you need to have a regular cycle. Um, and it can also be very detrimental, especially with women who have PCOS or any kind of hormone imbalances. Um, so, you know, for the first phase of your cycle, for the menstrual phase, restorative yoga is really great. 
um, walking, things that help bring your cortisol levels down um, and allow your body to rest. And then as you have more estrogen, um, you know, which can make you feel a lot more energy, um, but it's really important as well, especially in this phase, to protect your joints because estrogen can make your joints uh, a little bit stiffer. And a lot of women are more prone to injury when uh, you're in your follicular phase because your estrogen is higher. And then in your you know, ovulatory and luteal phase, your progesterone is a little bit higher. And this helps... Um, this boosts your metabolism, actually. So you need more calories during that time to really maintain a, a healthy hormone balance. Um, and it's a great time to utilize that extra energy for, you know, strength training workouts and, um, and HIIT workouts. But just once you're able to connect with your cycle and you learn a lot of these things, uh, women are very in tune with their bodies when they turn introspectively. And when you can kind of read where your body is at, um, it's a lot more fluid, especially when you're looking at fitness, um, to really allow yourself to tailor your fitness to your cycle and to how your body is actually feeling. Um, of course, I love working out. I, I'm very, uh, you know, I was at the gym this morning lifting weights and I love lifting weights and lifting heavy weights. Um, which is great. And especially if you're, uh, if you have high estrogen levels or hormonal imbalances, focusing on slower movements can be really helpful because then it doesn't uh, increase your cortisol levels to the amount that will um, risk a hormone imbalance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. Also, when I like learn more about the cycles and basically start to do my inner work my spiritual practice also more like learn about the the moon phases also that influence us because we are super connected with the moon as yeah. women and <laughs> oh my gosh yes yeah. and like everything that you are uh, talking about it's just like matching and i just feel it like naturally that i'm you know uh, around my period before a couple of days or during like i'm just craving the red meat and i i, I love to um put it in uh, in my diet and uh, later I my body like just telling me oh maybe you just want something like a white meat like a chicken or a fish or even go for a couple of days vegetarian and I just like feel it I don't need to um, push anything or like plan it's just like naturally comes and also with uh, losing weight like uh, when I had like a very strict program to work out in the gym yes i've been going a little bit like more shredded but the true weight loss started when i was in my resting phase when after a three months of uh heavy workouts uh i had the resting period for one month and that was the month when i lost the, lo the most weight actually when my body was not stressed out because the workouts in the gym were really long and really heavy and really stressed for my body also yes I want to ask you about some uh, stories from your from your experience uh, also uh, some something about your clients recent or before maybe you can share something sure um, I guess I'll, I'll talk about you know my favorite thing the whole reason that I do what I do is to see how it impacts my clients and 
um, it's really, really incredible when, you know, my clients will come to me and they'll just send me a text message that says, you know, oh my goodness, my nails have never looked this good. Or, wow, my hair is growing back. Or, you know, um, quite a few of my clients have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that means there's there's uh, these little cysts on ovaries that can, um, you know, that could look like um, odd hair growth. So hair growth, um, like on your chest, heavy on your arms, as well as um, like along the mustache area. So male looking um, hair growth can be a symptom of PCOS, as well as hair loss, especially around the crown and the middle part. Um, as well as difficulty losing weight. And there's a whole bunch of other symptoms, but, you know, from my clients to say that they're, they're not getting this odd hair growth anymore and that their head hair is growing back is really, really exciting. Um, you know, and just the, you know, as we work together for them to be learning, cause one of the biggest aspects of my practice is education. So for them to learn about how what they're doing is actually affecting them is really exciting. Um, but just overall, you know, having my clients come to me really excited and sending people my way. Um, it feels great to know that like I'm able to help people in this way, as well as just like, you know, I'm, I'm heavy on Instagram and I try to add value to people's lives through that and share valuable information. So the responses that I get to, to those and how shocked everyone is and you know how little people really know about their bodies um so i'm just really grateful that i'm able to you know use my platform and connect with people to help them yes beautiful and this is also uh part of my mission because like we are not taught in school to learn about how we can connect with our body do the the biology just go very quickly over a women's cycle and actually we never come back to this un unless we gonna put the effort to learn more about this and like really learn how this influence not only in our nutrition but also our life you were talking about that we can use it to plan decisions at work or even task at work to um, have better creativity i want to talk about some common issues also um, you talked about uh, pms and you said that there's like five um, different um, ways of experiencing the the bad pms um, so i want to ask about this one but i want to also ask about um, during the actual uh, menstruation like um, like too much bleeding or like too much pain sometimes like uh, but let's start maybe with the pms like can you can you maybe share about this uh, five different pms and like what uh, might be uh, what those syndromes might tell us uh, about our pms yes sure so um, so yeah, there's five different types of PMS that are classified by their symptoms. So type A is the anxiety type. And it's really interesting when we connect our cycle to also our psychological, um, you know, our psychological place, you know, with, with our cycles and just overall 
how we feel psychologically because our, our hormones really play a role in that. So type A is anxiety. And that's when a lot of women will, you know, get those mood swings, feel really anxious during PMS. That's definitely my first type. Yeah, I think this <laughs> um, is the most like popular and what the PMS is more known for, like the, the angry mm -hmm. woman, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so that's the first we all can we all can feel that one. There's also another one that is the depression type. And that's the more so feeling sad and feeling really lethargic and tired. Um, feeling kind of foggy as well. Um, and then you have type H, um, or also known as type W, which is hydration or water retention. Um, so this so is in the, this one the bloating is when women feel thing. really bloated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, the bloating, the tender breasts. Um, you know, many women gain a few pounds as well. Um, so that's so that's H, and then you have uh, type. What did I say already? Um, then you have type P, which is pain, and that's classified as you know back pain, cramps. Um, all of the pain that you're going to feel. It also includes acne, actually. Um, and then you have type C, which is cravings. And a lot of women know this one too. We crave sugar, we crave, um, you know, carbohydrates. And this is really caused by, you know, a decrease in our serotonin receptors, um, which makes us want to eat foods that will quickly give us um, that mental boost as well as because many women don't realize that in their luteal phase, their metabolism actually increases. Um, if we don't also increase our consumption or if we're eating too few calories, that will really, really impact how much we crave food. Mm -hmm. So those are the five types. So um, can you say that when we uh, finally like uh, sync and balance our hormones to the cycle, um, so we are like getting rid of all this potential PMSs? Uh, is this possible? This is like the ideal uh, situation? I mean, ideally, yes. Um, Ideally, most, if not all of these symptoms will be eradicated through, uh, you know, diet, exercise and lifestyle. Of course, there's so many different things that play a part in it. So, you know, if you've been having a really stressful week, that can make your PMS symptoms a lot worse. And that's not really something that we can control with nutrition. We can a little bit with adaptogens, which are things that help us deal with stress better. Um, but you know you want you might want to focus on um you know meditation or going for walks and really being able to bring those cortisol levels down um but yes when you work with a practitioner who knows you who can analyze your different symptoms and and if you want to do hormone testing as well to see you know which types you're at um and where to focus the nutritional benefits and the supplement benefits right so um, the different symptoms, the different types of PMS have different protocols, um, including certain foods, avoiding certain things, increasing exercise sometimes. So let's say with, um, with the water retention to increase exercise is really beneficial. Um, so working with the practitioner to learn all of these things and something I always love to say is when clients work with me, I never want them to work with me again. 
um, because I hope that I give them enough of the knowledge and the tools so that they can connect to themselves so that, you know, as life progresses, as their bodies change and their life circumstances change, they can still pinpoint um, where things may be askew and have the tools and knowledge to help support their bodies through each of those. Yeah, I love that. That's that's beautiful. You're truly a holistic uh, <laughs> educator, and um, and you know, like now as we observing like a current like a medical system. I don't want to digress about it, but like basically the mm. pharmaceutical <laughs> pharma yeah, so pharmaceutical companies yeah. they they earning money of on keeping people sick while the true shamans and true holistic practitioners they teach people how they can heal themselves and how they can learn how to uh, be smarter about their their health and not be dependent on all the time um, some medicine and and help from external sources so yeah, I'm super happy that I met you because I totally uh, agree with everything, uh, what you're saying and with your approach. Uh, okay, and I wanna ask a little about uh, other symptoms during the menstruation, if we are experiencing like too much pain or too much tender breast or uh, too much bleeding or too little bleeding. Uh, are you familiar with this? Mm -hmm. Yes. So again, it's really, it's really dependent on the type of hormonal imbalance that you maybe had. Um, so especially when I say hormonal imbalance, that's kind of your balance between estrogen and progesterone. And those, those need to be balanced in order for you to get all the positive expressions of both of those hormones. Um, so there's different things, of course, for each of those symptoms. Um, so something like, you know, if you have really heavy bleeding, um, iron is released through the blood. So as we were talking about iron previously, if you're having really heavy bleeding, a lot of the symptoms that go along with that, like feeling especially tired or agitated or easily bruising, um, a lot of those symptoms that go along with heavy bleeding are um, because of an iron, lowered iron. So it's also really important to um, to heal your overall hormone imbalance, which will then help deal with the uh, excessive bleeding. And um, again, with excessive bleeding and bleeding in general, when your body releases uh, the endometrium, so your built up uterine lining, it releases this compound called prostaglandins, um, which is what makes your body cramp up. Um, so really supporting your body through that, really staying hydrated is super, super important. Eating fatty foods as well. Um, healthy fats are really, really, really important for women's hormones. So low fat diets, uh, I definitely will suggest to avoid low fat diets, especially for women, um, because these healthy fats are the composition of, you know, all of our cells and our hormones. So it's really important that you have those healthy fats as well. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I wanna ask a little bit about the circadian rhythm. Uh, is this also influence our uh, hormone um, during the day? Like, what can you tell about this one? 
Sure. So background, your circadian rhythm is the 24 hour cycle, right? So if you're in tune with um, the sun and the moon, your circadian rhythm is, you know, you sleep at night and you're awake during the day. And the, the two really major hormones that are involved in this, which is also um, the two major hormones, um, you know, like men really follow the circadian rhythm. That's why a lot of our um, professional lives are revolved around the circadian rhythm rather than the 20 or like the 28 day clock of your of your cycle. So that means in the morning, your cortisol levels, so your stress hormone is at the highest so that, you know, we'd be able to go out on our day and I mean, our ancestors would be able to forage for food and like all of that. And then by nightfall, your cortisol levels deplete and that gives way for your melatonin, which is your sleep hormone to start increasing. Um, and when we have an imbalance with this, so when people are, you know, on their phones late at night, that, um, that disrupts our brain's, um, ability to, you know, the circadian rhythm to, uh, register that it's now nighttime and it's now time to produce melatonin. Um, so that can really disrupt our sleep patterns, which can throw off everything else. Also, when we have increased cortisol levels, that can really throw off um, all of our sex hormones um, and the women's hormones. So, uh, you know, drinking coffee first thing in the morning without any water before or anything else can really increase the cortisol levels, which can then throw off your hormonal imbalance throughout your whole day. Um, but if you're working with your circadian rhythm and like waking up pretty early and going to sleep at a reasonable time and living in tune with um, how nature intended really our natural clocks um, it can really help to balance out our hormones um, because all of them are really they each influence each other you know so having high cortisol levels increases your estrogen can increase your insulin um, and just throw off all of the balances of the endocrine system, your adrenal fatigues, and and everything else. Okay, can you tell about it's all uh, intertwined? Yes, it is. Um, can you tell about like a perfect uh, hormonal situation um, in like a healthy, balanced uh, women? How does the cycle like a perfectly balanced cycle looks like, and how does the lifestyle also? of uh that supports this cycle uh, might look like mm -hmm. so i guess the, the well-balanced cycle is kind of what i was talking about when i went through the different phases of your cycle so you know your estrogen goes up in your follicular phase and then dips a little bit and your progesterone goes uh, increases during your luteal phase um, and this balance between estrogen and progesterone is really evened out um, at the different phases of your cycle. But everything, like we were saying, how everything is intertwined. So, um, you know, having balanced cortisol levels. So if, you're, if your cortisol levels are high increased and um, really chronically increased, that can disrupt like I was saying, your insulin levels, it can lead to adrenal fatigue, which uh, makes your body unable to really produce those um, 
produce certain hormones or produce them in excess. So I think it really goes back to having to the lifestyle that really supports the balance, you know, because when you think about it, when everything is balanced, we feel good. We feel aligned. We feel natural. We feel healthy. Um, our skin is looking good. Our hair is looking good. Um, aesthetically, it's we look good. And also internally, we feel good. Our psychologically, um, you know, when we're supporting our bodies, uh, you know, our gut health is so important in our psychological health um, and our mental health because so many neurotransmitters are actually created in the gut. You know, like 90 to 95% of serotonin, which is your happy hormone, is made in your gut. So it's really important to have a healthy gut, um, to then have a healthy mind, and to have a healthy body. So it's really, like you said, it's, it's a lifestyle that supports um, hormone imbalance in general, hormone balance in general. Um, and that is good sleep schedules, doing things um, that can bring down cortisol, uh, giving your time to relax and reset and rest is so, so important. Um, physical activity, moving your body, um, doing short bursts of exercise can be really beneficial. Um, and again, eating really healthy, avoiding plastics. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that people have in their house and um, that we're exposed to in the air and in toxins that can affect our hormones and be endocrine disruptors like plastics or uh, many um, cosmetic products as well have disruptors in them. So just living a really like as natural, holistic, and, um, you know, as close to nature as possible is super beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. I agree with that. Um couple of last questions. I want to ask, like, uh, who are your mentors or something that influenced your life? Maybe a movie, maybe a book, not necessarily connected with the women nutrition, but like something that really uh, was, um, yeah, like a very impactful in your life. <laughs> Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> um, I guess the real catalyst into my venture was that I moved to Vietnam for a year. Um, and after I graduated university, I moved to um, a place called Da Nang, which is in central Vietnam. And it's such an incredible place. It's so connected to nature and it's right along the beach but there's mountains as well um and my food was being grown closer to my house than the market that i had to buy it from um you know and i really went into that uh you know eating whole foods um i was always really into nutrition and, and everything else but that's really when i it it all started to make sense my hair got so much curlier um, when I went off of birth control and started eating healthy. So that was a shock to me. I never, like I had wavy curly hair, but now it can be like a, it's, it's big curls. Um, so that was a really, really interesting. Um, that time I had a friend who owned a juice bar and I wanted to like sell some products and, and work at the juice bar with him. And I did, and that was the first time that I realized that I could make a difference in people's lives through food and nutrition. 
Um, so that was definitely a, a really, really influential time in my life. Um, my sister is super, super influential to me as well as my cousins. Um, and, you know, helping them on their journeys to live a healthier life really pushed it into me, um, you know, to do that extra research and to do it, to try to learn as much as I possibly could so that I could teach others things that are specific to them and generalized as well. Um, yeah, and then, of course, I have tons of people within the nutrition and you know holistic lifestyle realm that are really influential um, elisa vidi was you know one of the first health practitioners who really coined the term of cycle syncing and um you know she's been super influential um you know i have a lot of people who i love that are um, really mindful and encouraging uh, in my life, which I'm super, super grateful for. And everybody that I really interact with makes an impact in my life. You're making an impact in my life right now. And I hope that I'm able to do so as well. And kind of that's just how I want to navigate life is, is understanding how much of an impact others have made on me and to want to be as much of a positive impact on others as well. Yes, awesome. Absolutely. Uh, I want to come back a little bit to the, the birth control because uh, I also uh, started to use the birth control when I was 17, I guess. And I think I was taking the pill for like 15 years in the row. And I came and then, then I, I just like felt inside that there's some something wrong. There's just something not working properly and i'm not myself and after a couple of years i it, it took a couple of years for my body to kind of balance back to uh, to a normal cycle and i started to feel different and i started to research this more and i came across even uh, about the research that the birth control influences so much uh, even to the point of which men are we choosing which people around are we choosing like totally change our our energy level you know so yeah i wanna i wanna ask what's your approach <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> i'm i'm the same exact same i started birth control when i was 16 and didn't take one week off of it um for almost a decade and the same exact same thing my body there was something in my head there was something in my body that was just like who am i without these hormones like why you know i always say like oh my serotonin is low and like i focus on my hormones but i'm still pumping my body full of synthetic hormones um they're affecting so much of my life and it wasn't until you know i was talking to a few of my doctors and you know i, I would say like oh it's kind of giving me anxiety and i feel like my anxiety is connected to the birth control i feel like there's so many different things. And also like my libido was gone. Um, you know, I would get infections a lot, um, bloating so much. And when we're given birth control, especially as pretty much adolescents, you know, all of us, uh, most of us, a lot of us really start off when we're super young and we're not told that birth control can, you know, increase your chance of getting breast cancer by over 60% or the chance of ovarian cancer that we're not told that 
birth control can influence our serotonin uptake and our happiness. We're not told that birth control can, like you said, changing um, how we see our partners. There was a study done that married women who got off of birth control, there was such a higher level who ended up getting divorced because what birth control does is it kind of tricks our body into believing that we're pregnant. So we no longer have to go seek out a mate. We no longer have to, um, you know, have those ups and downs that are our biological process to procreate. Um, so our pheromones, the scent of someone isn't as heightened because we don't like our bodies don't care. They don't need to get pregnant. But when we get off of birth control, our pheromones like queue up a little bit and we recognize them in others. Um, which is such an important part of human evolution and, you know, just people in general. Um, and it's, it's crazy because, again, with, like, libido as well, that can really affect your partner. Um, and so many different aspects. And I think the most upsetting thing is how little we're really informed about it. Yeah, sure, we're given this, you know, newspaper-sized brochure about all the side effects, but I surely know I didn't go through it when I was 16. Um, and, you know, most people that I talk to have never gone through all of those side effects and really see what it's doing to us and, you know, get dismissed by healthcare professionals, um, unfortunately, who, again, aren't, aren't really, um, I don't think it's malicious on the point of individual um, doctors and like westernized healthcare systems. Um, because I know I've spoken to a few people who have gone through medical school and have been told that birth control is a good prescription to give to someone who has hormone imbalances or a good prescription to give to someone in certain circumstances. But it's just a band-aid for your underlying hormone imbalances, which can be healed through nutrition and through food and through lifestyle um, in many cases. And, you know, it's just written off as another expense and it comes to the expense of our long-term health and overall well-being. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I agree with also on this one, of course. Uh, before I'm going to ask you my last uh, question, can if, you, if there is something that you can advise to the listeners, uh, to the women, or not only women, um, that might change their life, uh, something that can start applying from today, what would it be and why? Is 100% connecting to your body and a great tool that I love to give um, to clients and, and to everybody else really is every morning, like right when you wake up, stand there, close your eyes and scan your body. Um, you know, scan, is there places that, you know, you feel discomfort or pain? How does my digestion feel? Do I feel bloated? Do I feel light and fresh? How does my mind feel? Do I feel a little bit cloudy? Am I tired? Did I sleep poorly? And then record it. So write it down in a journal or in an app or whatever it is. Um, because many of us don't realize the patterns that our body has. That um, we can correlate a lot of symptoms with specific things that are happening in our lives. And that's just a general situation. For women... I always encourage to do this in, con in 
tandem with um, tracking your cycle so that you can see the patterns in each phase of your cycle. And then once you're able to do that and you're really able to connect to your body, you're able to sense when something may be off. You're able to pinpoint what your body is trying to tell you and what your mind is trying to tell you. And it's really interesting when we connect to ourselves how much our overall health increases just by registering um, how we feel. Hmm. Yes, uh, I support this one. I don't like to stand up in the morning, but I lay down with my with my eyes open, just like on my back to make sure that I'm not squeezing anything inside. And just for a couple of minutes, as you said, like I'm just scanning my body and trying to notice, do, is there any discomfort or where do I feel some ease with some lightness in my body? And then I'm standing up to drink water. <laughs> That's the first first yes. thing in the morning. Yes, so important. So and I important. also heard um, <laughs> someone was recommending to drink water before brushing the teeth because the flora in your mouth um, making natural antibiotics and bacteria that you can swallow and they can support your body. So like uh, I started to practice this one and I I don't know, maybe it's out of suggestion, but I really start to feel really better and like healthier and more energized. Before I was brushing my teeth first and then drinking water, but now I like switch the order. <laughs> yeah. So so this is a really great practice. I think it's an Ayurvedic practice, yes. so an ancient mm -hmm. Indian practice, but right? Um, and it's super, super healthy for people who are generally healthy. Yes, uh, yes, that's the if you have, mm -hmm. Yeah, so if someone hasn't really gone through that journey of really being healthy and supporting their body and like um, balancing everything, it might be, you would want to like first get healthy and then be able to do that. Because if you, let's say have um, an underlying gum disease or your bacteria is imbalanced in your body and you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, um, you, would, you wouldn't really want to digest that first thing in the morning. But for people who are generally healthy, who don't have candida or um, have a really good gut balance, that can be super, super, super beneficial in increasing your immune system, supporting your digestion and so many other things. Yes, thank you for clarifying that because that's also important to mention that, yeah, you need to be like more or less okay uh, with this practice. Okay, my last question is where people can find you and how they can reach you and how they can work with you. Amazing. Um, so you can find me on kind of any of the social medias. I'm on Instagram, I'm at Nicole.Bendayan. I'm also on Facebook under the same name. And my website is NicoleBendayan.com. Uh, so those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, NicoleBendayanNutrition at gmail.com. Send me an email. Um, any of those ways, I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to, you know, support you on your journey in any possible way. Um, yeah, I'd love to connect with people. So any of those. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, in the show notes of the episode, going to be all the links uh, to your social media and your email as well. Any final thoughts you would like to uh, give to the listeners? <laughs> I would just say thank you for um, allowing me to be a part of this and welcoming me 
Um, thank you for the work that you do by sharing such valuable information with so many people and to really, you know, you bring in a lot of really great guests that give a broad view of, of how to really support people. So thank you for the work that you do as well. Thank you so much. And I wish a good day to everybody who's listening. Thank you. Take care, everyone.